when we recorded this episode of Octal FM, we discovered we had so much to talk about that it deserved more than one episode. So in this part one of a two-parter special, we start to dissect and discuss the 20-year-long journey of the much-loved series that is Animal Crossing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gerardo. And I'm Saffron. And today we are doing a another retrospective. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we did this was, I think, episode 97, uh, yep. where we talked about Borderlands. Mm-hmm. We went through, worked our way through all the Borderlands games. And this time it is the turn of Animal Crossing. Hmm. This was sort of prompted by the fact that we were playing quite a lot of... <laughs> Very good. I'll, I'll try and find some uh, short clippets of that if it doesn't get us copyrights. Yeah, this was sort of brought about by the idea of us playing and uh, and really enjoying the most, le- the most recent game of, mm. of New Horizons on Switch, right? Mm. And we were like, man, we really enjoyed that. Like... We played quite a few of the other Animal Crossing games. We should talk about these on Octal FM, and that's sort of Definitely. how the idea of doing a retrospective came about, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, they've been around for a long time now, you know, and to think that Animal Crossing was kind of like a, I don't know, just a bit of a random, quirky Japanese game, right? I don't even know if originally they intended for it to really be localized, uh, given, I don't feel especially like given the amount of copy that's in it. And it was a very, very Japanese game, especially yeah. at the start. Yeah, like, we're going to go into the history of each game as we go through them. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, the game originally was was definitely not going to be released outside of Japan, I don't feel. No. Like, it was a very quirky game, as you say. And it also had quite a lot of, like, Japanese cultural influence on it. And you can still see that in the mm-hmm. original Animal Crossing mm-hmm. on the GameCube. Like, you can see that's been toned down over the years between generation and generation of them. Definitely. definitely. Are it became a more Japanese. international g- yeah, series, right? Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, one of the things that I don't think we've necessarily covered in some of the previous episodes, what is Animal Crossing? What happens, what if you're not a Nintendo fanboy like us, right? And, you know, you you, you constantly hear about Animal Crossing. And you're like, I don't really know what it is. I just know it's a thing people play. What What is Animal Crossing? It's kind of a tricky one, isn't it, sometimes to describe? Or, like, when you describe it, it sounds really crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, the second one is probably more accurate, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a life sim, but not in the sort of, like, the sims style life sim it's closer i always think to things like harvest moon or stardew valley you know farming simulators i feel like it's 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 somewhat closer to it's always been about there being this persistence sort of village town city kind of area or whatever where you are a resident and there are other residents but they are all animals which is Mm. where the name animal crossing comes from you're you're the only human you're always the only human or you and anyone else that lives on your in your town if it's if you've got the like for the ones that have multiplayer and they've always featured a real-time element so it's always about you know time is passing it knows what day of the year it is Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of kind of like uh, the holidays in real life are reflected in the game and 
there's a lot of like it's very very slow paced it's very relaxed yeah um it actually comes from that right like it comes from the sort of there's 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 three kind of like pillars to it um if i remember from what i from what i sort of read about the origins of animal crossing which was it was kind of a lot it was all about community it was all about family and it was all about friendship yeah right? those were the kind of like the three things and it actually i believe i can't remember the name of the guy um but it come it came up the inspiration was from someone uh, i think at nintendo moving to kyoto and being isolated from their family uh, mm. and that was sort of like the inspiration of of sort of wanting to have you know a connection with 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 a family or with a community um in in an area where you feel very isolated and so that was actually the that was kind of like what what animal crossing was was there for and that was what it was about um and it's really interesting because if you go back to the you know animal crossing started on the nintendo 64 in japan yes and there was no internet or online multiplayer or anything like that so it was really about that community and connection with the game, not with, you know, other people over the internet, which is obviously what it is now. But it's interesting that that vision really shows through in the more, in the modern games, thanks to technology and the internet. Right? That's always been a persistent thing within the game as well, is that idea of sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. So not only are you creating like this environment amongst players, well, not players, but like non-playable characters, as you say, within the game, but it's, you've always been able to share things with real people like in your unit family unit or your friends or whatever and it's always been about making your own interactivity as well like the game has always encouraged you to sort of like have make your own fun and giving you the tools Mm, to do it definitely you know so yeah I i can see that why that would be such a core element of making the original animal crossing which i think was originally called like animal forest or something yes it um, translates i think to animal forest yeah you know and you can see why that probably appeal to people both in japan but also when they released it elsewhere and it was kind of unique and quirky and cool you know Mm. because like you say it was originally released back on the n64 like a long time ago and it's been going ever since with much of the same formula unchanged yeah exactly it's interesting because we never in the west we never saw the nintendo 64 release no i think it was actually originally going to be on the 64 disc drive that's right um but they didn't put it on the disk drive. And that's interesting because the disk drive had a clock and the Nintendo 64 didn't. Mm-hmm. So they actually had to put a clock in the cartridge, a little bit like the old Pokemon games as well, mm-hmm. which also had, uh, like Pokemon Gold and Silver, they had batteries in them for their day-night cycle. What was it so po- we'll, we'll, we'll save yeah. that for when we get to the first game, right? Mm, because there's some, okay. there's some other really interesting facts about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the last thing I wanted to quickly cover before we move on to it was just our relationship with the game, oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were kind of weirdly aware of this game from almost as soon as it was conceived mm, uh, by mm. Nintendo because it was one of those games that got like a lot of coverage in the magazines back in the day, you know? Mm where they would talk about animal crossing and they would show you screenshots and yeah, for so long <laughs> it was a long time because it came out in japan like i say in in the uh in early 2001 but yet the the game that we eventually got in the west especially in in europe didn't come out until 2004 mm, you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. there were years between it and you know every single month you would be reading more about this game and you were excited about it and it got so frustrating that I remember that I specifically imported it from Canada because the, like, I think there was like a two year difference between the North American mm-hmm. release and the EU release. God knows why. Maybe they just thought that that the EU wouldn't be interested in it or something or, or just like the localization, localization process was, was too difficult or yeah. But 
and it was crazy you know so I, I, it was weird like even though the game itself isn't all that special in a way like it didn't like break ground it was just a cool quirky game because it was such a long delay with this huge like up lead of tantalizing images and, and articles it really made me want to play it really yeah. badly you know it's i remember like really talking about and thinking about a lot it's interesting isn't it because yeah i think it was it was surprisingly hyped given that it was also exceptionally Japanese, mm. you know, and and what's interesting is that the when they localized it, it wasn't just a localization. It was also development, you know, because all of the holidays were Japanese focused originally, mm-hmm. and that just does not translate. No. So they added a bunch of a bunch of holidays. They added a bunch of functionality to this to this GameCube release. And actually, uh, if I remember rightly. They then backported some of that it to Japan. Yes. And Japan got that updated release before we in Europe even got the first game. <laughs> I think like that's it a, was... <laughs> I think that's right in terms of the release schedule, yes. <laughs> like it's like it came it went over to America and they added like, you know, Christmas and stuff like that. And then it went back to Japan before it even got to us. Like the like it's such a weird to to consider where it is now, so international, right? Animal Crossing is such a you know, New Horizons has been so well received. Obviously, mm. lockdown and coronavirus helps, but nonetheless, so hyped, so well received across the world. But this was like the quirkiest Japanese focused, yeah. you know, really, really strongly. Um, it was the kind of, there were so many of these types of games at this time, you know, within the gaming industry, like games that were definitely never intended to go outside of Japan because mm, mm. They, they were just kind of quirky and weird. Absolutely. And most, most companies nintendo included assumed that the western audience just wanted sort of the same sort of action Mm. games and platform games and racing games you know they didn't want these kind of interesting slower quirkier games yeah and and there's probably some truth to that to some extent but then they also don't think that they realize how much of waves this would create when they did release it yeah i know crazy man crazy but the history of the original animal crossing is absolutely fascinating and i think it deserves like a proper discussion about it because like you said, it was originally meant to come out in the N64, which we mm. definitely didn't get in the West. That was that was Japan only. Mm-mm. And like you said, originally it was supposed to be on the, the, the 64DD, the disk drive, right? And because the disk drive just flopped terribly, like it, it just, it didn't do very well, even in Japan. Like if it wasn't going to do well in Japan, it wasn't going to do any well anywhere else. Um, they decided to kind of go, well, okay, we've got this game. We've basically finished it. Let's just stick it on the normal the N64 cartridge. Hmm. The problem was, is like you said, it has a real-time clock in it. And it also requires a large amount of data to be able to save the game. Hmm. So not only did these um, cartridges have to have like the little internal clock inside them with a battery, yes. sort of like in um, sort of like the Game Boy games for Pokemon, like Pokemon Gold, yeah, Silver, yeah, and, yeah. and Crystal, right? Not only that, they also had to come with a game pack add-on for the back of your controller with the N64 right, the controller. controller pack. Yeah, to, to save was, stuff. Which right? was a save memory slot because the, the, it couldn't save it on the cartridge because there wasn't enough capacity on the cartridge to save. Did you, you know? did you have one of those anyway? Because I remember owning one of those. Because do you remember there would there would be some Nintendo sixty four games that you couldn't save save games onto the cartridge? I so don't I actually, recall. I think yeah. I don't think I owned one, but I know that they existed. Yeah. yeah, I definitely had one, but it was weird, right? It was like only I always felt like it was like PlayStation ports, you know, like games that yeah. didn't have like the ability to save internally were the ones Small designed for like for, yeah, for other sure. consoles. 
and it was it was so weird like to have this game that required this like completely separate thing just to save it it wasn't like the rumble pack or the transfer pack for pokemon or anything like that which sort of like added functionality this was like it didn't work without it yeah 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 and it's it's funny right because also the gamecube not to skip ahead but the gamecube version also needed a um you know because the gamecube needed memory cards but it needed like a whole memory card right for the (laughs) well when they sold the uh the gamecube version of animal crossing which was sort of the second version i think it was called the e plus version when they re-released it in japan but like you mentioned when they sort of re they they re-released the version that they'd released for the international market in japan it came bundled with a memory card yeah because like you they were like well you can't save on a memory card unless you've got no other saved games and that's ridiculous so we're gonna have to sell a memory card with it at the same time (laughs) the one i bought had a memory card in it because i had a little animal crossing sticker for it yeah (laughs) Uh, and and it took up the whole memory card now whether or not it needed the whole memory card or not i don't know but like (laughs) probably not they were probably just like look if you're going to use it you have to use it for just animal crossing and nothing else don't try bother doing anything else like yeah i just think that's crazy as well so you can see how far ahead of its time this game was in terms of its mm. ambitions for the, yeah. the technology that it was on. Like, it was definitely pushing beyond the boundaries of what was available at the time, mm. you know, for sure, for sure. But eventually, the GameCube version that we know as sort of the original Animal Crossing everywhere else but Japan kind of came out and it did really well. It sold incredibly well, approximately 2 million units worldwide in total, which was really good for both a GameCube game, which was a pretty low install based console, and for a relatively unknown series, well, no, very mm. unknown series, I suppose. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And a quirky one at that. So it mm. still managed to do really well despite all of its, you know, hurdles that it had to overcome. Yeah. And one of the, the things that it started was all the, the core features yeah. that we already talked about. So like the real-time clock, the persistent town, um, you had the ability to share your town with other members of like your household or whoever mm. just wanted mm. you to come along and play it. Um, there was four houses you could all inhabit and then you could ch- kind of share messages between each other. You couldn't mm. play at the same time. Like you couldn't like share the, the, the screen. No. But... It was the beginning of what we now think of with Animal Crossing with regards to, like, sharing your town and, you know, interacting with people. um, Because it was on a memory card, right? Couldn't you also plug... You could go around someone's house and plug in your memory card and then, it like, recognise that there were two towns Mm. and you could go and then visit, like, from one to another. Um, I swear that was a feature. Yeah, maybe. I I don't honestly know. One of the things that I love so much about it isn't so much the the more standard features of Animal Crossing, but kind of how crazy the first Animal Crossing was as well with some of the things they tried, right? Mm. In that there was like this huge suite of different things that you could do with the GBA. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people forget about the GBA connection cable because it was kind of niche, but they really went all out on trying to find cool ways to use this. Mm. So you could use it. in, in, In the original Animal Crossing, you could sort of like find items that were original NES games like Balloon Fight and Donkey yes. Kong and Super yeah. Mario Bros. And you could put them in your home and you could play them. And they were just emulations of those games on your GameCube, which is pretty cool and it is. But with certain games, not all of them, because I believe some of them were just above the memory capacity for what you, what, what this was trying to do, but you could download them to a Game Boy Advance's RAM 
right? Yeah, and yeah, play yeah. it on the Game Boy Advance as long as you didn't turn the Game Boy Advance off. It's so funny, isn't it? It's like, cool, isn't it? Like so weird if you plugged your Game Boy Advance into your into your GameCube via the the link cable. It's really interesting that they really dropped that, like you know, having emulated games in Animal Crossing. I guess because it kind of encroaches on the virtual console. But of course, well, yeah, back this, then this point, you had no virtual console. So no, exactly from the Wii onwards, which is where we're going to get to. Um, yeah, they could just sell these games rather than give them away for free inside <laughs> Animal Crossing. Um, it's ironic to see what we've just been talking about the soundbite episode we recorded before this episode. Um, but they did all the great things as well. Like, he had the option to use this as a way of calling Captain to go to the tropical island. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. before then, you couldn't go to it without the, the Game Boy connector. Yeah. Uh, you could use it to draw, like, pixel design patterns with mm. the Able Sisters. Um, and I think the, the craziest thing was sort of like Amiibo before Amiibo was a thing with the e-cards. The, like, swipe card things, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, in the mid-2000s, you've got to think swipe cards were the coolest thing ever. Like, they were in, like, all the <laughs> cartoons and the anime and everything we got. And, like, you see people, like, swiping them for special powers and stuff. And you felt super cool doing it. And and it was a huge part of the game. There was so much content within these cards. Like, there was, like, unique NES games you could play, and there were special villages that you could have introduced to your town, and all these special items you could do. And there were, like, planned events that you could only get them from if you go to, like, you know, exhibitions and stuff mm. held by Nintendo. And many of these are now lost to the ages. Like, they're yeah. proper collector's items now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because all of this stuff is so, you know, we said about how this is a very, very kind of quirky Japanese style game. And all of these things that we just talked about are so Japanese, you know, like, like you have to buy extra things or you need the connectivity with your GBA and it's a bit quirky and kind of weird. And it's like, that just shows, you know, that's just in the DNA of these games is, is like that kind of like, I don't know, all of that stuff is just so, like, buying specific things at specific times or, think you know, that kind of style of stuff. For me, the, it, it very much feels like this was designed by a group of people within Nintendo and they went, what could we do? And then they just had a huge whiteboard up on the wall and then was like, could we do this? Could we do that? And they're like, mm. yes, we will mm. do all of it. You know, and they just kept on adding exactly. more features to it, which I think is great because the game was still the same game no matter what. It was still fun otherwise, but there's these cool, weird features they kept adding to mm. things, you know? However, with all that said and done, one of the things that, by modern standards, was that if you go back now, it it was kind of simple. Other Mm. than these kind of cool, weird, quirky features, it was kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it was kind of simple, right? Yeah. Once you'd done, like, the core aspect of, like, you know, going fishing and selling some fish to make some Mm. money sort of thing or whatever, there wasn't a great deal to do. No. And the later games definitely improved on this significantly. Definitely. Um, and although the later games lost some of the quirkiness as they became a little bit more standardized, a little bit more international friendly, they also gained quite a lot of like just normal in-game content. Yeah. You know? So it's sort of like a tit for tat sort of thing, you know. Agreed, agreed. And I think Animal Crossing wasn't designed to be an international game. No. It became an international game. And then with the sequel, that really, you know, which was an international game, it was mostly an international launch or it was certainly destined to be an international launch that was where things really started to like solidify and it was like okay this is this is this is definitely what animal crossing is and now it's a it's a game for the whole world and that was i mean the clue is in the name actually wow i never even thought of that (laughs) but it was animal crossing wild world um on the nintendo ds not the 3ds but the ds
this sold a lot more than yeah. crossing on the gamecube a i guess this more. is because the ds had such a huge install base right and that's really interesting right because not only i think does animal crossing benefit from being on a handheld because it's that persistent oh, worlds yeah. that you can you know dip in and out of and that's exactly how it's designed but also the ds was so wildly popular yeah uh, and it was so wildly popular with you know the sort of more and i don't mean it in, in a negative way i promise but more casual gaming yeah you know, no, things for sure like, think about things like brain training and nintendo yeah, and you know and all of that kind of stuff on the ds animal crossing was such a like natural little step up mm. from the like super casual stuff into something that is casual but like is now, mild gaming yeah you know more 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 sort of like traditional gaming or at least yeah. has traditional gaming roots absolutely yeah um and so that was that was it right like that was like a a magical combination for animal crossing um to mean that wild world was just so so wildly popular and it just suited from doing my research for this whole episode, I found that like more people know Animal Crossing from Wild World for the original. Yeah, because absolutely. I think the majority of people that played the original were people like you and I, who were sort of like following games and mm. they were buying all the latest like Nintendo games mm-hmm. to come out and stuff like that. Whereas Wild World was just one of those games that you just saw people play and you went and picked it up yourself, you know? Exactly. Uh, hence the huge difference in sales numbers. Yeah, and exactly. I also feel that like it was very much nothing new they didn't really change too much about it no. but they refined everything yeah they Things just shrunk much... the gamecube version <laughs> not far off it yeah like it it had all the same features so you had all of the you know persistent persistent world and real-time clock and had the events that happened on specific days and stuff like that but you removed a lot of the technical difficulties because the ds was a more sort of modern console mm. that you know you didn't have to worry about clocks going dead because the ds just had a built-in clock no anyway you know yeah it had flash storage so save games wasn't yeah. a problem um and i and it also had the two screens as well which hmm. they use kind of interestingly but kind of weirdly as well like you'd have thought like you would use the bottom screen as a menu no the top, the top screen, screen is, was the sky it was, that's kind of weird right like the top screen was the sky and it was kind of cool because at this point you hadn't seen the sky in the original game yeah. because it was always just top down. But yeah, this this is a game that introduced sort of the rolling mm, landscape mm. effect, which is which is still going now. That's what you get yeah. now in in New Horizon. And that was definitely introduced because of the fact that there was a second screen, right? Yeah. Like like otherwise you would have the landscape continuing, and that would have been way too much effort for the DS to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there was lots of things that they they kind of just refined right and they made more like the animal crossing that we know today mm-hmm. but they did add some things you know it wasn't just a whole rehash they did add some more content right yeah yeah they did so there was more characters was the main thing really like apart from just the animals um but you know you had i remember the main one of course is, is brewster and the mm-hmm. coffee shop which was of course coffee yeah which we're <laughs> waiting for at some point is going to appear in new horizons yes um but yeah, like they added a bunch of content um, and sort of there was a little bit of touchscreen functionality as well, which was nice around sort of managing the menu. If anything, something that the Switch version could probably benefit from. Yeah, 100%. Um, it was a probably easier to organize your infantry on Wild World. The biggest thing that Wild World added, and it wasn't easy to get into <laughs> I, for sure, but it was the online connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, the DS was, you know, the first basically the first console from nintendo that had online functionality you did have it with the gamecube modem and fantasy star online and blah 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 but it was basically like built in as part of the standard like use of the system 
online was built in yeah and i think we've mentioned this before but the ds's wi-fi was weird it didn't support certain encryption and mm-hmm. that encryption is the encryption that everyone uses now and pretty much everyone was already using at the time that this came out so you had to have a like bad encryption or no encryption wi-fi to use this or you had to have a little usb dongle thingy mm-hmm. um and obviously it worked also locally wireless which was great but tony and i this this came out well it didn't come out but like i was i went to university after this came out and tony and i played because we were long distance um, we played a lot of wild world together it was a great way to to like hang out effectively mm-hmm. and, and and just play together while we were maybe on a skype call or something um and so i managed i think i managed to get it like kind of working at university despite the restricted and limited um connectivity yeah. um but yeah i played a lot of wild worlds both of us did you know it was a big part of like yeah, like I say, like hanging out remote, you know, going back to that original idea about what Animal Crossing is about, you know, that like helping with feelings of isolation and, and connecting you to family and friends. Like Wild World was the one that could just about, yes, just, <laughs> just about, about yeah. do it. You know, if the stars were aligned, you could connect <laughs> to each other's, you know, and, and literally visit just like you can now. You know, that was what you could do. Which at the time was crazy, you know, yes. the thought that like this tiny little handheld console, you can connect over the internet and like visit someone else's game and walk around. Like, it is really hard to, to think about why this is important and interesting now in like 2020 when we have like, mm. you know, smartphones in our pockets that are connected to everything all the time. But like this is 2006 for us, at least anyway, the EU. Yeah. And, you know, Games weren't online unless they were on a PC. And if they were on a PC, yeah. you had to use things like GameSpy still. Yeah, or it was an MMO, you know? right? Like, this is, this, this an is MMO, like a, yeah. an early example of, like, bridging the gap between, you know, matchmaking games, like you say, like with GameSpy Arcade, and MMOs that are always online persistent mm. worlds. This is like a, no, you're joining two separate games together on a handheld you know, like this as well yeah. shows the sort of the mindset that they often had with Animal Crossing games across all of them is that they would usually refine the core features. They would keep some features and improve them to make them better. And they would usually drop a couple of features that weren't necessarily as impactful or as interesting mm. or, or successful in previous games. And you can see this between the next two, between this one and the, the next game in the series where... The Wi-Fi in this one did kind of work, but it also kind of didn't work. Mm. And they made it much more seamless in the next game. But it's just cool Nintendo experimenting. They're taking some risks. Like, mm. this this didn't need to be in here. They could have easily just kept this as local multiplayer. Right? Yeah, that's definitely. probably quite easy to do, right? Because they yeah, have like yeah. the, the DS hotspot stuff and yeah. you can easily connect with people like locally for lots of different games. But going completely online with even something like Mario Kart, I imagine, or I remember, mm. was pretty tricky. Yeah, but yeah. But then you add the complexity of, like, this persistent world mm. that you've created and that you're inviting someone into over the internet. That's even more crazy, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so definitely yeah. got to, you know, give props to Nintendo where it's due because that is certainly no mean feat. Yeah. And I think Wild World still, you know, in in many ways is like peak Animal Crossing, you know, like it was really the start of 
what Animal Crossing really, yeah, really it is. It normalised the franchise a bit more. Definitely, uh, definitely. You know, it, it dropped some of the things that it had. Like, for example, it dropped all the G stuff with the GBA or mm, equivalent, yeah. what it would be maybe if it was on the DS. Um, it dropped all the features like the NES games because they were starting to sell them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then it also qu- dropped a lot of the quirkiness with things like some of the events. They just sort of had more like, rather than being Christmas or like Obon Festival for the Japanese, it would be like Toy Day. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and they would sort of normalize things and sort of make them less culturally connected, which I guess is kind of good to make it easy for the localization, but kind of these is a little bit of the character of the game yeah. as well, I guess. Yeah, and actually, it's, you know, another thing that really shows that Wild World uh, was really kind of like solidifying what Animal Crossing was is in the next game, uh, where they returned back to home consoles with Animal Crossing City Folk or Let's Go to the City. Uh, and you know, and from then on, there's a there's a lot more, you know, to the to that Animal Crossing story. And given how much we've already covered, and how long this has already taken for us to get even just to this point, you know, because this <laughs> is a big series and an important yes. important franchise. Yeah, it's not like Borderlands, where there's like three primary games, right? And and it and it's interesting because when it started, it was a quirky Japanese game, you know. But now we're talking about you know post Wild World, and we're starting to get into the really you know Nintendo knows what Animal Crossing is at this point, you know. Yeah, and this is it's now become... a mainstay feature of Nintendo's properties. Like, yeah, it's 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 in Smash Bros. You know that kind of says exactly, it all, right? <laughs> exactly. It was in yeah. Your, your characters are in Mario Kart. Your characters are in Smash Brothers. You know. Like it's really getting solidified. And so from from this point on, you know, it really turns into a, a core franchise for Nintendo. And for that reason, um, we're actually gonna leave it there for this episode. Mm, um two and, we're, and we're gonna and we're gonna smash this out into two episodes. Uh, because there's a lot to talk about about Animal Crossing, mm. and it's a very, very interesting franchise. And, and and you know, there's a lot of there's the spin-offs to talk about. There's the later um, games to talk about as well. So we don't want to rush through them all. We want to yeah. do them all a good service, and it's an interesting uh, story and history and, and trip down memory lane. I think the the primary word there is history, right? Because mm-hmm. unlike some games, which although it has an interesting history, they've all it's always been kind of smooth going for the most part. Like mm. mostly, say for example, Legend of Zelda series, there's not really been all that much of a hiccup. Like the only interesting hiccup, I suppose you could say, was like the CDI stuff. And even then, you can sort of just ignore it. But with Animal Crossing, because it's always been controlled directly by Nintendo, right? Mm. And They've, they've not had a lot of games, but they've had like a consistent amount of them rather than like mm-hmm. a huge turnout and then like a long drought period, like with the Metroid games, for example. Right. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see this sort of like very consistent pace of change and adoption of new features and mm. refinement. And because there's never been more than a few years between an Animal Crossing game most of the time. Um, with the exception of the most recent one but even then that was then padded out via some of the spin-off games too so it also does feel like a franchise that nintendo used to experiment you know yes you know sort of these discussion not necessarily about the core game but about some of the quirks around the edges um you know so we definitely want to dive into more of those as we go through as well yeah so definitely not what we want to rush through. So we're going to do it as a two-parter so uh the next episode in two weeks time will absolutely be part two we won't split it up or anything like that <laughs> um so do look back for that one for the next one so the next game is going to be we're going to talk about city folk like we mentioned and we'll go on from the rest of the series from there yeah absolutely but hopefully you've enjoyed this so far um it's been it's been a fun to to chat and and look back at, at these games um if you have any 
memories of Animal Crossing yourself, you know, mm. especially these earlier games, then definitely please do share with them with us. Um, that would be great because um, I certainly do have a lot of a lot of fun memories of these games. Did you um, have to wait for an extra two years because you were in Europe like us? Yeah, we did. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Maybe you were playing this, you know, way before us, <laughs> um, and it was even more, you know, those down Americans that had it two years beforehand. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, let us know. Send us an email. Show at octal.fm or come and find us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash octalfm, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octalfm. That's it. That's all the yeah. socials. Uh, um, and yeah. other than that, we'll catch you for the next episode for Animal Crossing. Uh, but until then, I've been Saffron. And I've been Gelada. And we'll see you for the next episode very soon. Oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh.